Hello everyone and welcome back to another segment of Jalali and Hall. Um, I'm here with Reza. It's just me and him this time. And we just finished watching Annihilation. It was the first time I watched it and uh, Reza, what was, was this your second time or third time? This is my second time watching it and actually I watched it the first time and then I read the book because I liked the movie so much and I was interested to see the differences. And then after I finished the book I watched it just now. Cool. So um, what, would, what were the notable differences you noticed? A lot, a lot of differences. So the book was written first, right? Okay. But it's, so it's, it has the same concepts where there's an area X and there's a group of women who go in for an expedition. That's kind of where the similarities end. In the book, they don't have any names. They're called, there's the biologist, the psychologist, the anthropologist, and the surveyor. They're all women scientists who go in and you never learn their names. And also, it immediately, the book immediately starts, um right in area x there's no scenes in the beginning that are in that government facility Mm. and so it just kind of starts right with them in the area x and they kind of go on their journey similar to the movie they each get picked off one by one in the in the book there's only four of them in the movie there's five and but the things that happen to them are very different the movie's clearly inspired by the book but it's it's kind of alex garland the director his own take on it because he uh i read a thing where he said that he actually didn't he read the book and loved it but he didn't consult the book when he was writing the movie he just kind of read the book and then left it at the side like remembering the feelings that the book evoked in him and the things he remembered and wrote his own take on it which i really like as an idea of adapting a book into a movie compared to how it's usually done you know it's interesting right yeah it is interesting it's like it's it's an adaptive screenplay of sorts right yeah cool cool and the book actually never calls it the shimmer. That's an Alex Garland coined term. Okay. Um, and also the thing where there's a second body that is created and there's clones that never happens in the book. Oh, there okay. is a creature that wails like a human. Um, and there is some crazy dolphins that dive through. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just amazing. <laughs> I think the the book is, and the movie are both great in their own right. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I would say, so what is Alex? His name is Alex Garland. Yeah. Alex Garland. He's an English he started out as a screenwriter, so he wrote some famous movies like 28 Days Later and other stuff directed by Danny Boyle. His first movie that he wrote and directed was Ex Machina, which is also amazing Oh, yeah, sci-fi. you told me about this before we started yeah. watching it. <laughs> Ex Machina is great, um, and I think it was probably better received than... Well, not better received, but it was more of a success because it was such a low budget, and it was a A24 movie, and it won a bunch of Oscars. Oh, yeah. Um, we were so young. I was like 2014? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And Annihilation is the second movie, a much bigger budget with a big studio this time instead of A24. And it's it kind of was advertised as like big budget horror sci-fi. You just go into oh, the... Oh, yeah. It was, it was kind of weird. It, the, first of all, the title is Annihilation, which means total destruction. And I remember that being like... Because I remember when Avengers Endgame was coming out, or after Infinity, Infinity War was released, people were speculating the title was going to be Avengers Annihilation for the second one based on some like <laughs> Easter eggs. And then it was like, oh, but another movie came out that year that was called Annihilation. That's kind of why I knew about the movie. And then I saw a trailer for it. It was like, oh, another horror movie. It looks kind of cool with some visuals, but I don't know. It's so much more than that. It's like really thoughtful sci-fi that... It's just, it's just amazing annihilation you know it's it's more than monsters and people exploring with guns it's all about you know like biology and cells multiplying and humans becoming in tune with the earth and kind of melding themselves into nature you know and it's not about oh is it an alien is that what this is, is that what that big area is no it's not even about if it's an alien or not it's just the concept of a type of science or biology that you know, can it starts to, you know, refracting light, like what Tessa Thompson says in the movie. She says that the whole area X is a prism that refra- refracts everything, refracts DNA and, and you know, human DNA, animal DNA, plant DNA. And that's why you get this these crazy combinations of plants of different species, animals combining, like the deer with the antlers that are branches yeah. and the white crocodile. And in the book, 
there's dolphins with like human like eyes that like oh, dive no, through a river. In a I'm town. happy they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that would have been cool. That whaling hit. creature is already enough for me, bro. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, um yeah, what do you think? Well, I, I, I can guarantee you one thing. I remember I remember when I watched the trailer for that movie in twenty eighteen and I'm like, Oh, this is just some like really mediocre like Natalie Portman money like she needed money for it type movie and like i can tell you that advertising is almost like 80 percent of like the profit for a movie and yeah. this movie did not have good advertising whatsoever well looking back it was kind of cool the trailer just i don't know just what they had but it doesn't like symbolize the artist art artisticness of, like, yeah i mean like that i mean we'll talk about it later but i always do this when we do podcasting but that final scene when like the creature is like going into flames or like that end title card with like the weird mosaic like tiling for annihilation like this movie has a lot of like artistic concepts to it that just did not show in the trailer and the trailer was trying to make it seem like it's like a action flick almost yeah. like the guns and stuff but it is like not that at all <laughs> for sure and i think it was hard for the studio at the time to figure out what to do about it because you can't like I think nowadays it's a shame that like art movies don't really do well at the box office. People see a trailer for that and it's they just want to see a big horror movie. They want to see a Marvel movie, part of a franchise. So it's hard for a studio to kind of advertise for it. And that's why it, the trailers kind of were like, oh, it's a horror movie. Come watch. Or, it, or you know, yeah, it just didn't do well financially, but it did well critically. And yes. I think people like us are rewatching it years later. And it's kind of one of those movies that's going to be a cult classic that grows and ages very well. You know, it wasn't about the weekend it was released on. It's about, you know, people rewatching it and doing reviews on Letterboxd and, and seeing it on streaming services. You know, I feel like I feel like this is a movie because when, when we usually finish a movie, you're you have like over enthusiasm and usually my review of the of the movie is always on average a half a star lower than yours on Letterbox. But it seems to me after you just watched this for what was the how much was was this the third time? No, second time. For the watching this movie for the second time, you felt even like you felt like the movie got even better almost. Yeah, it it retained its value to me and retained the shock and the the trippiness and the the wonder it caused me for the second time, which a lot of movies don't do. Like this is one of those movies that stands above the rest for me because it makes it changes the way or at least after I watch it it changes the way I think about you know life like it made me uh, it's actually same with Ex Machina the Alex Garland kind of does that well so for Annihilation it make really makes you think and kind of makes you a little scared of weird cell stuff inside your body like I looked at my own hands to see if my flesh was moving after um the 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 girl What's her name? I forget. One of the scientists. Forgot her name, yeah. One of the scientists does that and kind of like explains why she's so haunted inside. And that was so interesting and freaky to me. And then I started like, you know, the first time I watched it, that crazy, it's like almost like a dance at the end of that scene where Natalie Portman is in the lighthouse and there's a, a copy of her, not of her, but just like a, yeah, it ends up being of her. A developing copy of her. Yeah, because her cells have like duplicated, and they like, they almost have like a dance, and they're walking around, and then it made me study like the movement of myself, and that's also what Ex Machina did. I don't know if whoever's listening has seen this, but that's about AI and what makes you human, and it's like a robot walking around, and really gets down to simple stuff, but in complicated terms. Mm-hmm. So, I think here's another take I have. Yes, let's hear it. Most times when we watch a movie and there's a mystery and it's a sci-fi mystery, we, we want to know like, ooh, is that alien or is it, what's the twist? What does that mean? What is this like substance? But in this movie, what is it? What is the greater meaning of it? What is the philosophy? What is the lesson? That's what this movie is. What is the philosophy, but, right? But, the, but from there isn't, right? Is that what it is? No, I think there is. Uh. But it's, what I was going to say is, this movie, it doesn't matter like, oh, it's extraterrestrial. What does that mean? How do humans communicate with extraterrestrials? And that's kind of what Benedict Wong was symbolizing at the end where he was like, so it's alien. And she's like, I don't know. I don't care. And he's like, so is it carbon-based? Is it? What does it want? 
this movie's trying to say it's it's not trying to say that it's just the the nature of the organism that invades earth in this movie is that it's just different and it refracts things and it reflects and combines everything and it doesn't want anything it's just mirroring and combining everything that we know about ourselves right now you know and i think it's just a study of that and how it can affect humans that's what the movie is that's kind of the philosophy behind it it's not about you know artificial intelligence or aliens or whatever yeah do you agree with sorry no no i i agree with that and like wong kind of wong benedict wong's character kind of presents this like this view as like how humans would react to this type of creature and say oh it's destroying it and then Natalie Portman's like no he's just making new things on top of it exactly yeah um should we go through some of the scenes in the movie and kind of how it builds up to that ending we've been talking about I I want to tell you one thing I feel like we yeah we totally can't I was just what I want to say is I feel like the thing that makes movies like this so good is how it like how it's organized like it's we start at the end and then we keep going back to like this end interview between benedict wong and natalie portman and i think that's a very interesting way of adding the possibility of rewatchability when it comes to it yeah non-linear storytelling we should talk about the overall structure of the movie because I, I did just watch a movie that was like that called reservoir dogs yesterday so ah, anyway dogs. but yeah <laughs> uh so annihilation uh is built up of the storyline which is you know her going into her ex and then interspersed with scenes um that go forward in time that are just like uh what the interview she gets done after she gets out of the area with benedict wong so that's kind of interesting that it already tells us she's gonna live and everyone else is gonna die but we still don't know what happens inside area x that is so interesting and then in addition to the flash forwards there's also flashbacks where we learn more about her life and her husband and her affair and everything we should also talk about that we should talk about natalie portman's character lena and her motivations and her past and also her husband Mm. like i guess for me the one flaw in this movie like i said this to you earlier yeah was her weird affair i don't know if it's a flaw i guess it makes sense as a character motivation but she it's kind of unexplained why she has sex with this other guy she works with well i think he kind of said it himself he was like he's not like you have your husband less of the time than like like he's like not like um, what's his name moon knight guy um oscar isaac yeah his name's kane in the movie kane is like not there as much and she's like getting bored and she's missing him so she's kind of like use she kind of like who knows exactly what happened but they kind of like used each other as like a way to like recreate that intimate experience because we feel and we see those intimate experiences lena and kane have in the movie like they have like a somewhat like giggly like bed scene yeah that's interesting how they have that scene and then as well as their their conflict with each other it was kind of peculiar i guess uh it wasn't super clear in the flashbacks if they were in a good marriage or not and then i guess at the end it's kind of clear it was a little broken but it was not i guess it's kind of cool that they made it a little ambiguous and you know i guess you really start to figure it out when the psychologist is talking to her and she's like saying the things that humans naturally self-destruct and then she says a good marriage and she looks at her she's like what and that really suggests to the viewer and to Lena that the psychologist thinks Lena kind of started to break up their marriage. And that's why, mm. A, that's why the husband went in, and B, that's why she went in. In the book, at least. Can I go back to the book for a sec? Yeah, let's go back to the book. In the book, there there's no affair. There's flashbacks but it's to her and her husband, but there's no affair. It's just... Them, them two as a couple are growing apart, and their kind of their their chemistry is going away. And she's kind of a little distant, and she's kind of uh, Lena, or her her name's the biologist, I guess, in the book. Oh, okay, cool. She's just kind of a very introverted person, and her husband's very extroverted. And they didn't they had chemistry in the beginning, and they don't in the end. And though, so the husband kind of gets approached to go to area x and he says yes i'm gonna do it and then he he kind of leaves her to go to area x for kind of that motive that involves 
they're them being them growing apart, I guess. Mm. And then she, when she figures out he is not coming back, well, I guess in the uh, in the movie he comes back, but in the book he doesn't come back. I think. Ooh, okay, okay. He's kind of still there, and she's like, "I need to go to Area X," and she tells herself, "Yes, I love this man. I need to go," but you know. Does she actually love him or is she just kind of feeling that need to do to do the things that she's doing? Um, and she kind of feels that obligation to, I feel like I get that sentiment in the, uh, in the movie too, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I totally agree. One of the other aspects of this movie I want to cover is something I read about online that the theory is this movie is all about cancer. Huh. Well, it starts out with her being like a it starts out, cancer. Yeah, exactly. It starts out with her being a professor who studies cancer and teaches cancer and teaches it to her students, like how cells multiply very fast and there's like a tumor and everything. And so the theory is that the Area X, the organism that crashes into the lighthouse at the beginning and is spreading, is like a cancer to the Earth. It like refracts everything refracts dna changes it and multiplies itself and grows rapidly that definition of cancer right there and whenever people go in they get infected by it and they have weird living organisms inside them and also their bodies eventually become part of the nature and at the end it's kind of also a representation of of cancer when the cells are multiplying again and her body is literally multiplied and turns into two of her and then one of and also with Cain that happens too and one of them dies and the other lives so that's kind of an interesting thing I got out of this movie and then another theme I kind of and I saw as one of the main things was this organism represents an idea that the author originally had which is humans are fading into the environment and kind of combining themselves with nature which is really evidenced by um, the people who start just turn into plants all of a sudden. And they just like, like Tessa Thompson, vines grow out of her arm and then she becomes a a human plant, which is such a crazy image to see in that movie. Yeah, it's really, it's really subtle and suggestive, but we kind of like see her as a plant walking around. And notice how like, as soon as she like begins to accept it, she immediately turns into a plant. So what does that exactly tell us? Right, that she accepts it and then she, I guess her mind can dictate her willingness to fade into nature. I guess she eventually just gave up and was like, yes, I want to, she's like, oh, I want, she's like, Natalie Portman wants to figure out this, the psychologist wants to figure out this, but I want neither of those things. And then she becomes part of the nature and she kind of gives up, which I guess is kind of, according to that organism, a beautiful thing. It's not destruction. It's, it's creating something new, you know? Yes. And then another thing that references this idea of humans and and whatever just all becoming part of the same living organism, the same nature, the same environment is the bear that like eats people or not a bear, it's just like a creature that will kill people and eat them and then the last portion of that person, like I forget what her name is, Shepherd, who got uh killed by it. Her, she, her last emotion she felt was fright and frightening and fear and that was reflected in the bear's wailing and voice which was very human and exactly what Shepard's voice was it was like Rah! and it was a human not a bear going Rah! you know and so that I guess is another example of uh, the uh, humans combining with nature there's also a few really interesting reoccurring images in the movie such as the glass of water, which happens in the beginning and the end. Oh yeah, what's up with that glass of water? <laughs> I, I I'm not. I think it kind of symbolizes someone returning from Area X and becoming calm again. You know, it's the same cup of water. It's the same amount of water. And what happens is, in the beginning, Kane comes back from Area X and she gives him a cup of water and he drinks it very slowly and then eventually blood gets in it because he's sick but also there's a really interesting shot of their fingers kind of going through the glass and kind of refracting (gasps) 
just <gasps> like an area x it's Ooh. kind of like water it distorts the image Reza. of it but combines it all together you know and then she does it at the end where she reaches her glass of water i really like that image you know yeah we, we're associating the people that come out of area x with water and drinking water I, i'll mention one thing i don't know maybe it's just the way the water like dissipated in the cup but at the very end when she takes her last sip of the water there's like these two like pieces of water that kind of like spread apart like they were touching originally and then they like kind of spread apart and it's just like the cells just like the cells yeah it, it was like at the top of the glass like some of the water got stuck on the top part of the glass above the water and it just kind of like spread it apart it was super cool how do you um, plan that in filmmaking i wonder yeah how do you even begin to think about that like okay we want this is the inner meaning of all of this and we want the water to like spread apart <laughs> i know that's crazy <laughs> so then there's so there's that the water reoccurring image and the second one i'm thinking of is the shimmery recurring image First of all, the shimmer itself, which is like the border of Area X. It's kind of like a cool-looking shimmer wall. And the other thing is the the plastic sheets that separate patients in that government facility looks very much like the shimmer. You know, do you remember those shots where it would yeah, roll past? When Oscar Isaac, like, feels like, well, the Kane, well, Kane's character, the clone of Kane, when his character, like, gets sick and goes to the hospital and here's okay i just want to say this cool quick i think the reason why um the clone of kang kane has like this like all like starts spitting up blood at the beginning of the movie is because it's was born in the shimmer and now it's in this earth environment where not where everything is the opposite it doesn't refract so it so it, it like can't survive outside of the shimmer right which is why that happens and it's just why it, like goes into it but what's interesting is is when when the alien or whatever it is gets destroyed by the grenade that Nally, um that Le- Lena um gives to the creature um he stabilizes again all of a sudden like he's back to normal right i was going to ask you that so like what what exactly does that mean i don't have an answer for it that's the only <laughs> thing but it's definitely in the movie though that's the whole thing does that mean the new organism is kind of assimilating to life outside of the shimmer and then because the ending is literally them hugging and then their eyes get all prismy because yeah so like (laughs) sorry no you go you go because presumably like area x has escaped area x and the the organism has infiltrated humans you know were you gonna say that kind of no i was what i was thinking i was saying is it it adapted and it eventually learned its new environment and we can see that symbolism going back to those cool shots of like the plastic barrier that kane is in in the hospital um and it kind of symbolizes that Kane is like the creature in the shimmer, pretty much. Right. Which is really cool. So. Okay, I have one interesting observation I have about the actual crew of women. First of all, it's interesting that they're all women. And I like that kind of female empowerment. I didn't really question it at all. I was kind of fine with it. But I did kind of notice it a little bit. And it's, yeah, it's just a nice refreshing thing to have the heroes of the movie be all women instead of a group of guys that are military they're all scientists you know which hashtag is john krasinski and a bunch of his friends from the office i don't know that's I like just, chris pratt <laughs> yeah like john krasinski chris pratt a bunch of like mm, guys in their late 30s early 40s with beards yep that's that's <laughs> that's the career that would have been the action ver- action flick version of this movie yeah probably. i'm glad it was not that you know I what's agree. interesting is in the book, um, Natalie Portman is not ex-military. She's just a scientist. But in this, they huh. made her be military. Okay, well, what I was going to say is there's an interesting part of the movie where they go through the crew and each of them have, like, a flaw in their core personalities. Like, one of them was a drinker and now she's sober. One of them, the psychologist, has no friends or family. She's just kind of alone and she's she has cancer. She's about to die. One of them, Tessa Thompson, supposedly has like uh, marks on her wrists from attempted suicide, and then the one of them who's talking at that point is has lost a daughter. And eventually, what Natalie Portman says at the end is that the reason that she's the one who survived was that all of them had no reason of getting out of the border; they had huh. nothing keeping them back. But in, she in the did. movie or in the book. In the movie, remember? The movie. Remember at the end, Wong asks her, and he's like, "So why did you, why did you get out?" And he's like, "Do I have to explain?" And she's like, "Yes," and she says, "Because I had a reason 
to 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 leave the uh, area. interesting. But none of the male said. It's interesting because in the book she she ends up not leaving. She just stays. Oh, okay. Yeah, so interesting. that's a different. So, so uh, freak. I just can't imagine being in these situations. That's I know, all. Right? It's like, like sleeping in in these little abandoned towns and then losing track of time. Yeah. Oh yeah. He thought he was. He didn't know how long he's gone. He's gone for a year, but he felt like I don't know. And also, she was gone for like a year, but she said, "Oh, was it days that I was gone?" Yeah, it's really, really a lot of freaky stuff. I kind of wonder if they just got like a whole army and they kind of just hung out on the border for a while and just like see the effects. Anyway, let's yeah. not question the the vitality of it all. It's a really well-made, cool thing. Anyway. Um, one other difference between movie and book was that um, to get across the border, they're the psychologist um, in the book uh uses hypnosis because in training they had like trained they had implemented trigger words in each of the members of the crew so that the psychologist could like put them under hypnosis at command huh so you know how they they lost track of time and memory when they crossed the border yeah in the book that's because the psychologist put them under hypnosis to cross so they don't remember anything oh why, why did she do that well in the book it's like the government agency is super shady and they don't tell them anything that's kind of the whole theme. In this, in the movie, there's a little bit less of that, but there is still some of that. Definitely. The book is a lot about, oh, there have been like 30 past expeditions, and we don't know any of them. And then she encounters a giant pile of journals from past expeditions. Huh. And, and also there's a whole sequence where she goes underground into what she calls the tower, but everyone else calls something else. And there's like a disagreement in that. There's like a lot of things that are very different, but it's, they're both very interesting, the movie and book in their own rights. Okay, I think we should have a full conversation about the ending of this movie. Okay, so we'll, I'll, I'll try and sum it up perfectly yes, if you tell me anything otherwise. So Natalie Portman, Lena, eventually makes it to the tower. She finds a video camera and she... Well, there's, there's all this crazy ice trees on the beach also. Shit. I really tried. I really tried, Reza. Um, and and also there's skeletons outside the oh, thing. Oh, yeah. There's also skeletons and the bones What does that mean? The they're all like organized. Like, organized. Yeah, but they're like arranged. Like I feel like if you... There's like some shots where you can actually see like a letter or like wording because like the bones are arranged in a weird way. Maybe that's a level... Maybe that's Kane's old crew that he like killed or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Oh, we didn't, we didn't talk about the scene where he cuts open a guy's belly and there's veins coming out. <laughs> it was kind of intimate. Like it was weird. Like... Like, um, like, like the guy, he's cutting open the guy's belly and then like, there's a guy above him. He's like, <sighs> he's like patting his head, breathing <laughs> on, he like kisses him on the forehead. It's, it's because like, they're going crazy. Yeah, I guess so. That's why. I just, I wonder what happened to the guy that got his belly. Oh yeah, we do know what happened to the guy. Yeah, he's in that pool and, and his body melds in with, with the environment. Yeah. Just like that recurring theme of humans becoming the environment. Mm hmm. It's, it's refracting. interesting. That's freaky though. I can't. I can't imagine ha having a guy cut in my belly. Like, that's like the most weakest shit possible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back to the ending. Okay, so there's a bunch of ice trees, like a deserty area. It's not ice trees. I think it's actually glass or something like that. Yeah, it's like glass. Um, it's weird. She goes into the lighthouse. She sees all this like wooden, white, kind of like plasticky, acrylic type stuff all around the walls, and there's this camera on a stand, and she looks at it. And she sees it's a video and she plays the video and Kane basically, it shows Kane basically at like completely gone at this point. Like yeah, Kane with a beard, Kane with a beard, messy hair, messy hair. He's, he's completely lost himself at this point. And he like says, am I flesh? I, I don't know. My flesh is moving in, in, in me. I don't know what I am. My even Kane, like he questions his whole existence just after everything he's seen and been through. And, he pulls out a grenade and he pulls the trigger and he counts to four and then he just completely burns up. Um, and we later figure out that there was a burned corpse when she first walked into the lighthouse and that is Kane. That is Kane's melted corpse. Oh yeah, by the way, at the end of the video, Kane walk, uh, uh, Kane's like creature clone walks into frame and looks at the camera and then the, she closes the camera and right she closes after. the camera in fear and, and she's so yeah and she's so visually disturbed and you see it. the after effects of the grenade the black thing in the skeleton you already said that yeah it's like a black mark in this like giant like light white room pretty much oh gosh it was so crazy yeah next what happens is she hears 
Doesn't she hear like some like the psychologist voice? Yeah, she hears a uh, Ventress. <laughs> Ventress. Um and she goes down into the hole. Yeah, and Ventress like looks really weird. Like she ha- her face is all black. She looks like she kind of has like a cyclops eye. I thought Reza thinks she like she's her face is completely black. I'm not exactly sure what was going on with her face. Um Yeah, and, then and her hair is also like, orange also. That might have just been lighting. Okay, sure. Yeah. But the place they're in is a crazy, like, alien-looking, uh, like, cave. And it's and, moving, and it's too. moving. The, all the scales are moving and everything. She has a conversation with psychologist, and then you continue. Long, long story short, the psychologist, like, like, all of a sudden, like, she starts spitting up fire and, like, all of, like, her whole internal insights turn to energy and, like, we get all these crazy colors. It feels like a 2001 Space Odyssey, like, hyperdrive scene is, like, happening in front of Lena's eyes and it's, like, all these flashing neon colors just in front of her face and it morphs into, like, this, like, I called it, like, a like a little sperm, like, the sperm head. Reza didn't like that at all. Um, no, because it took me out of the moment of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't help that apparently it's like even though this movie did not like I'm gonna say this really quick. Even though this movie did not like have a cultural like massive success, one of the songs in the soundtrack did make it to a popular trend on TikTok, and I thought that was pretty funny. When he said that, I was just like taken out of the moment. Yeah, I know. I kept taking Riz out of the moment. I'm like, oh, it's the TikTok song, and it was like, shut up, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, so so um, that basically the the psychologist turns into this giant like a creature thing with all these like smooth yet like grooves on it and it like opens up into like a blossoming flower and i don't know where where lena bleeds but this blood just like kind of like drags out of her and the blood out of her eye almost oh uh, yeah almost like out of her eye and it like pulls into the this like flower like kind of like crochet egg type creature and it it starts and like we get a close up and it's like one piece of little blood like a blood cell and it starts duplicating 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 duplicate. and then we have like this weird scaly face creature and it eventually turns into this like smooth creature that looks like a human it has a head and two arms and two legs but there's no other features besides it you know um ah it's that's just crazy i also I'm wondering how big the budget was for this movie because the the CG is pretty good. It's incredible. And, but and it's like very reliant on computer generated imagery. I am I am looking it up. Okay. Annihilation budget. Oh yeah, so then she starts to shoot the the creature, the mirror image almost, and it, and the bullets become like tentacles. It's so crazy. Then she walks out um, of that hole, and then she encounters it again. Yeah, the and creature like disappears behind her, like it teleports. Which I know yeah. I don't even, even want to begin to try and understand. I think that. because it can like it's just made of cells, and cells can travel through grounds and whatever. Huh. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. And then she goes into the crazy like mirror movement that looks like a dance, um, which is so freaky. Also, I think the soundtrack to this movie is so amazing it's your it's a Hans zimmer type soundtrack with like it's not Hans zimmer, but it's but it creates a well, sound i said Hans zimmer type soundtrack i know i know, yeah. I, know I know anyway sorry and but it it's great that it creates a specific sound to this movie which not all composers do um yeah then it just gets crazier she tries to open the door and um the creature kind of does the same thing that she does which is go to the door and that causes her to get suffocated by it um which she doesn't understand at the time but we know like oh if she just relaxed then it would also relax i don't i don't think she does at the end she ends up fainting right and she falls to the she ground like i think she begins like she gets keeps she keeps getting squished by it and then she eventually just like 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 yeah she i guess she kind of gets suffocated by it and she eventually like falls back down to the ground yeah and and, and the it creature mimics fall. it yeah, which is so such a cool, beautiful image. You know, what? I also wonder how they filmed this. Did she just do whatever she wanted, and they animated that thing yeah, onto it later? Because there's something that I learned when it comes to like having CG out of focus and stuff. Um, you have to like still make that high level of CG and like character design. Uh. So like you're kind of like it's kind of hard. Like how would she? How would she? Anyway, it's like oh, we want to think about it. You know what's interesting also. Um, kind of a related but unrelated note is that a way i've noticed they make cg 
just look natural is by including those crazy lens flares. Oh yeah, like, the you know, when you put lens. the sun when you put the sun in it and then the the rays shoot out next to it, it kind of takes your attention away from the CG and then back to the thing. That's exactly what they do in Avengers Endgame a lot in Avengers Infinity War. Like there'll be a shot of space and there's a star in the distance and it and it's like doing a lens flare in front of Thanos's face and then it makes you look makes Thanos look like he's just a regular guy standing there, not like an animation. Huh. Cool, interesting, interesting. Oh, yeah. let me tell you the budget, by the way. Okay. So, oh shit, sorry. Um, the budget was around forty to fifty-five million dollars. Okay, so mid-budget. Um, that was the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It grossed thirty-two million in U.S. Oh. And ten million in China. So it did not appeal to Chinese markets at all, which is like a big no-no in today's world. You always have to appeal to the Chinese market because there's well, so many people. Well, not anymore. Why? Movies what aren't even playing in China as much. Why? What, what do you mean? What is up? Like Spider-Man didn't play in China. What? No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's the nightmare is over. What nightmare? Remember when? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, for for the I'm gonna tell you one thing. Black Panther. You know how in like the American poster, it's he has his face and like Chadwick Boseman's like looking down if like his hands crossed over his chest. Okay. That's supposed. In the Chinese release version, they just cover his face and it's like it's just his mask as the front cover. Okay, what does that have to do with? Like, like, like I'm saying is like the movies for a time being were very highly marketed at Chinese markets and they were like rearranged in order to appeal to the Chinese market. Oh, oh, that's what I'm trying to say. Is that bad? It kind of kind of makes films extremely profitable and less actual movies and entertainment pieces. That's why I was oh. that was the whole issue. But now that you told me that Spider-Man didn't even release in China, then yeah, so Russia and China since COVID have not been getting a lot of American movies. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Well, anyway, um, so the movie made a total profit of forty-three million dollars. So it did not even so cover it, its budget. Yeah. So unfortunately, it was just yeah. But apparently, also here's why, because I, I, I I looked up that and then this thing showed up next. It said people also asked, will there be an annihilation too? And it says Alex Garland's Annihilation is now playing in theaters. Period. While the film was adapted from the first in trilogy of books by author Jeff Vandermeer, it is highly unlikely we'll never see a sequel. Yeah. So there's multiple books, is what you're trying to tell me. There is a trilogy. But it's the second one. I haven't read it, but I know the second one's just like all about people in the government facility looking at journals. Uh, yeah, and also this one, the ending is different because the ending she destroys it. So how could they do a sequel? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a really ambiguous ending. Um, Jesus, we went so off track. So she eventually, eventually the creature start eventually like she figures out that she needs to kind of like in order to like get away from the creature she needs to relax and not attack it pretty much she needs to like kind of like she has to do she has to do what she has to do the things that it has to do exactly so she in order for the creature to be calm in order to calm the creature she too needs to be calm pretty much so so she eventually realizes she touches the creature's hand puts a grenade in it and that's when the teach once once um, they touch each other, the creature starts to actually become Natalie Portman and the face starts to morph, which is such a freaky scene. It's so trippy. Um, and then she gives it the grenade and then she runs out and lets it exploit itself and turn into fire. And that leads the entire thing, the lighthouse and the creature and the cave to light on fire and get destroyed. And it was very um, interesting. Visually, kind of s- visually, visually amazing. Yeah. Like the music playing over. Oh, it was so good. I couldn't. That like, entire sequence is just one of the trippiest things you'll ever see. Just the sound combined with the visuals. Like the way it like crawls back into like the cave it came from, and like just seeing it like, and then get seeing it get surrounded by more and more flames. It was oh my goodness. It was exceptional. Just watching. Yeah. It. And so that's finally when you make it back to her talking to Wong um, about, you know, her uh, trying to tell him about Area X because she's the first one who's made it back who's actually talking mm-hmm. and remembers. I, I just want to clarify. So when, by giving the grenade and catching, making the creature catch on fire and the creature thus goes back into where it came from, it also kills whatever... It, that was and the process so the shimmer disappears after that right but the ending shows that clearly that alien organism has gone out yes 
we, because we, it's infected the cane or cane is it cane is pretty much it yeah cane is like and a, then it seems like he or it has infected well i mean her. like remember when she was testing her blood and she poked the blood and she saw that she had a mutated yeah. cell so she right. has she's in her too actually as well yeah and it seems like they okay first of all shouldn't they know that it seems like they do know that, but they still somehow let her go into the thing with her husband. I think because they know she was like, it doesn't make much of a difference, maybe because they were both. There's no there. way to stop it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Overall, that that's it. That's that's the movie. It's amazing. Well, no, I mean, let's just can we just talk about? Can we I just know. I'm just saying it? we finished our recap, but we're gonna keep talking. I mean, look, look, I have, I had the what? Look, you see, look, look at the cells. Look at the cells. Look at the cells. I know you're you see, right. Look, you're Okay, me and like, Max just watched a shot from the movie. It's like where the, the water. water comes to get. It's like it like represents um, her and and um, Kane Kane's creature clone thing coming together, pretty much. Right. And it's interesting because they were they were initially maybe that's the big deeper meaning about it. Their relationship almost like oh they came back to together at the end. Yes. Because he's different. He's changed. Yeah. Oh. It's a romance. <laughs> it's all a romance. <laughs> we figured it out. It's just a romance. <laughs> So in order for in order for him to for them to get along, she had to go through self destruction, ah. which is exactly what psychologists talking about. Yeah, she had to start self destructing their marriage by cheating on him, and he also had to self destruct by leaving. He comes back a different person, and they're together again. Yeah, notice how also Kane's creature clone his hair slicked back. Right, Kane. Maybe Kane he's a little more organized. Yeah, Kane in the movie. Regular Kane, always his hair is always always messy. Actually, so yeah, um, yeah. And she like she like asks like, are you you are you like she he Kane asked the Kane creature asked her as like, are you Lena? So like he has memories and recollections of her, but but they're not necessarily his. They're copies of the actual Kane. Right. That's why he's so weird when he came back. Yes. That's why he was so like sheepish almost. Yeah. Okay, one other weird pokey detail I've noticed is Oscar Isaac's accent in this movie. Yeah, wait, doesn't he get like an accent like halfway through the movie? Like he has like no, a weird he like he always has it. You in certain words you hear like a weird southern twang. He, uh, maybe he was practicing for Moon Knight. But he didn't have a southern accent. <laughs> he had an English. I know, I, I know, but he's like trying to miss with his accent and stuff. Maybe. Um, but this is like three years before Moon Knight. That is true, yeah. Maybe, well, yeah, that's, he's prepping for it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making up a stupid okay, story. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was weird. Like, I really only noticed it when he when he recorded that video of himself and let him burn himself up with that grenade. That's really the only time I recall it, really. Yeah. So, yeah. So then, so then he's like, I think you're Lena. And like, yeah, I'm Lena. And then they give each other a hug. They don't kiss. Like, that's another thing that I think is very important to talk about. They're very intimate. They kiss a lot. They smooch. They... They tickle each other, but this is just like a moment of it's a different feeling of, of interaction between a person and and these two people are supposed to be really well known and loved each other, but yet they're different because they've went through so much change. Well, one of them is literally a different person. One of them is actually literally a different person, despite him looking the same genetically, and yeah. so it's like, and so then he so then he hugs her, and his eyes start changing colors. Oh, notice this also. Notice how the shot starts in the clearness, and then the camera slowly pans to this like. Or I don't know if it's the camera panning or if it's the door moving. Oh, the door moving. Yeah, and whatever. It turns blue. It turns dark. Whatever it means is the, the the color is changing, and we're changing to a darker scene. The door is moving. You're right. I'm that sorry. That's a beautiful shot. And then his eyes start changing color, and it's almost like this spreading. Because we know. Here's how we know. We know something is being spreaded. Because when she hung out with the creature. And the creature touched her, the creature started turning into her. So yeah. when he hugs her, that means some sort of information is being relayed in between each other. Everything's refracting. Everyone, everything's being reflected back into each other and everything starts combining and becoming the uh, same living organism. Uh, uh. Oh my God. I, I don't even want a sequel, honestly. I kind of like Natalie Portman's character. I kind of I like the relationship. I just... I would love to see like just a romantic comedy about them. <laughs> I don't a really romantic c- comedy. I don't really like like I like I like them as people. I like them as characters. I don't necessarily like want to see like I don't want I don't need more answers. I just really enjoy these characters. Like I mean like some of the other characters in the movie I could care less for. Like the psychologist was really annoying. She kind of she was annoying. She kind of rounded out towards the end. But like 
I really enjoy like the characters. Like we kind of hear little snippets. Like she was, she went to. They met in the army. She did seven years of service, and then she started doing her academic stuff. You know, and I like all of those ideas and topics. And I think I just really like their story together because it's like now that we made this connection, that's a romantic story. I'm like, oh, that makes me feel good on the inside, even though it's like this really creepy like movie where like people get kidnapped and eaten alive by wailing bear creatures. It's like we kind of see the whole picture now after this after this discussion. Yeah, it didn't make me feel as good inside as it did for you. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, well. That's all right. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kill you and merge DNA with you and start wailing with your voice because of that. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so one other thing I want to talk about is just like Alex Garland again. Like the movie he chose to make to make after this is Men. Oh yeah, this, this, that which is a pure out. horror movie. Yeah, and no sci-fi. Well, actually, I haven't seen it yet, but I would like to see that. I haven't seen it and see if it has any similarity in theme compared to Ex Machina and Annihilation. Because um. I think Ex Machina and Annihilation had similar themes in terms of like humans or people and their nature and what makes you human and what makes you an AI robot or what makes you just another clone of nature. Yeah, I agree. I want to tell you, it's completely off topic. This is more modern day stuff. Can I, can I tell you about something? There's this YouTuber called Scott the Waz, and he makes really good video essays about video games and pop culture, okay? And so Scott recently did this video called 3D, and he covers, like, all of, like, the most recent stuff of 3D and how 3D was a kind of a thing in movies. You want to say something else? About no, wait. Yeah, wait. You're keep going. I want to watch this. Okay. So he kind of talks about 3D and, like, video game stuff, but he starts off by talking about how 3D was something that was introduced in, like, the late 70s for, like, Friday the 13th horror movies and how it kind of, like, faded out. And then a movie we both know called Avatar in 2009 came out and it completely revived the whole 3D idea. And a lot of, like, video game consoles, like the 3DS, you know, remember that? Nintendo 3DS. Even, like, 3D TVs. I didn't even know this existed, but there were 3D TVs at one point. I know, dude. When I started getting into Blu-rays, they made Tron as a 3D Blu-ray disc, and I was like, "Oh, I should get that and buy some glasses." And then I discovered my TV wasn't compatible, so I didn't. Yeah, so like I I looked at because I got really excited too. I'm like, I'm I would want to watch a movie in 3D in my home, like like because we were so young, we were not a part of that train, and now we're hearing that that stuff actually happened at one point. We're like, damn, we wish we were. Well, we used to see movies in 3D. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like the whole idea of watching 3D at home. Right. Like there was apparently like, like there was like a 3D TV that PlayStation released and you can like play all your video games in 3D, like Uncharted and stuff. I'm like, wow. damn, I was like seven, eight years old. I you didn't really care glasses? about that. Yeah. You got to wear like cool glasses too. Okay. Like and there were like these like powered like battery glasses that would work and stuff. Wow. That, and so, yeah, I looked it up. Apparently like the last like, 3d tv was made in like 2015 like oh so, dang so but what i'm curious is is are we gonna go through this eight year process again in because the next when the couple new of avatar months? comes out and because we're at yeah, I'm, I'm serious though 3d has totally died out in the last four or five years and i think this year in movies right now it's sort of making a little comeback because with dr strange they actually made it with 3d in mind I didn't know that. I, I had said before ah. when I was like, oh, they didn't. They, they, it was the conversion after. But I saw a Kevin Feige thing where he said that Sam Raimi made it with 3D in mind also. Okay. So what does that mean about your experience watching 3D now, would you say? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't enjoy still the still Doctor the Strange one too much. So okay. it's still the same. But okay. I'm hoping Avatar is just amazing in 3D. I think it will be. I, I don't I'm also care. hoping for better glasses. It's, and more uh, I, I, if it's three and a half, if it's actually three and a half, I'll I'll still love it to death. Avatar? Yeah. Okay. Because you I, you don't you don't have the passion that I have for it, but I'm I'm up there, but yeah, not as much as you. <laughs> okay. So how does this relate to Annihilation? Well, nothing. I mean, it's a horror movie, and I just that was a topic I really found interesting that I really wanted to talk about because yeah. we we made we dedicated this whole thing to Annihilation. It would be cool as if Annihilation was a 3D movie. Yeah, I wonder if it got released because like all those prism things coming at you. Oh. Yeah. That would be cool. Oh my gosh. Watching this movie in 3D would have been crazy. That would have been crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's it's a just it's like a little like small world movie that's just it's really special. And if you if you like watch it with no expectations, you'll be you will be blown away. For pretty sure. Pretty much. 
people listening to this, you've probably seen the movie for listening to this, but also tell other people to watch it and tell people to watch it with the loudest sound possible because the sound is a big part of it. Yes, and I severely suggest that if you know anyone that has some sort of nice setup of sound bar um, 5.1 or 5.1 to 7.1 channel, whatever, just preferably watch it at their place because we, I think me, I think we had a great experience um, listening wise, listening to it and I thought, yeah, and I just like... <sighs> It's it's really it's it's really unforgettable. That's why it's good because it's unforgettable. It yeah, really it leaves an impression. Yeah, a mark on your mind. It leaves an impression in your mind that that you will not forget. And that's why it's so special because we live our lives doing the same crazy f- normal basic things like going and to all work. the movies that are crazy normal that you just forget right away. And you forget them right away, you know. But that is something that I will not forget. This is a movie you'll have dreams about. Yeah, you will have dreams about it. Like, I'll get attacked by that weird creature bear thing in the middle of the night. Or your belly will have vines growing out of it. Yeah. Like, there's... Yeah, it's just... It's just... It's so good and it's so amazing because it's memorable. Because we do so much, like... We do so much of the same stuff every single day in, our, in, in like our regular lives. So to have something that's so new and have something that's such a new taste on life, it's truly worth your time because of that. Pretty much. Oh yeah, we were. I was talking about Ryan Johnson. <laughs> we were talking about Knives Out. Oh, too. Ryan Johnson. <laughs> uh, you, because so you asked me. You told me about um. Because so me and Reza are going to N- New York City for uh, a short um, uh, NYU course on video dur- journalism and videography. And he told me Reza told me about this movie theater that Netflix now owns that went out of business right before COVID, and they're going to be showing Knives Out two in that theater. And you're well, Okay. Yeah. You were hoping that they are, right? Yes. And we got and I and I I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool. You know who who you know who directed Knives Out? And he's like, yeah, Ryan Johnson. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. All I know is Ryan Johnson's five foot five and he's small. That's Ryan all. Johnson is a skilled movie director. <laughs> Looper's probably really good. I haven't still I still have not seen Looper yet. You haven't seen it? No. Yeah. Why? What we? Yeah, we talked about. Oh my this. gosh. Looper is four and a half to five for me. Looper is amazing. Yeah, I, I could, I'll tell you this. He had a really good movie, but I don't know about the most recent movies at all. Knives Out. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we, we made an agreement. Me and Reza always had such very strong and positive hatements, but I, um, opinions about it. But I think... The fact that you're telling me Last Jedi is three and a half to four, I actually think we can live on a middle ground right now on this topic of the last year. Well, can you give it like at least a one and a half to two? Oh yeah, no. It's, what do you have it at? I don't remember. You made a, a half star at one point. <laughs> it's it's like two and a half to three at least for you. I'm I'm giving it. Okay, four. you know what? We'll we'll compromise. I'll give it three. You give it three and a half. Fine. I'll give it a four. No. Okay, then then I'm I'm going. I'm okay, whatever. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, you have to watch Looper. Looper is one of those movies that makes a mark on your mind. Bruce you Willis forget. comes after Robin from the from Dark Knight Rises, and he's like, "I'm you older. I'm gonna shoot you and kill you." It's the other way around. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> but there's so much more. There's this little kid who has powers. Wait, what is his powers? Um, you have to watch the movie. Okay, I'll watch the movie. I'll watch the movie. That's what we'll podcast about next time. Okay, we'll podcast about Looper. Um, I really was thinking about getting my dad on this podcast, but instead he wanted to watch like some weird like ripoff of, of, of what's it called? Die Hard Three and the room across from us so that's unfortunate but we're uh, probably going to cut all this out anyway i'm sorry i'm going off topic really a lot um did you just hear this is one more thing i have to talk to you about D- stop doing that no oh oh you're pulling your m- oh okay the django unchained sequel there was a django unchained sequel that just got canceled recently and it was supposed to have antonio banderas in it as zorro and it was canceled because it went over budget did you hear about that? No, and I feel like that's not real, but okay. Quentin Tarantino was working on a sequel for Django Unchained. Did you hear about Quentin Tarantino possibly doing a Star Trek movie? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, because he used to watch the old show. Okay. I see dial- I see Quentin Tarantino dialogue Yeah. in a Star Trek movie. That would be so amazing. Uh, so I'll tell you one thing. Hateful Eight was supposed to be a sequel to Django Unchained originally, actually. Oh. So... So I think he's been trying to make a sequel for a long time and it got canceled pretty much. 
recently. Okay. Um, I'll tell you this. The second thing is, guess who? Oh, you don't really care about this because you're not a fan. But um, Jack Black. I mean, <laughs> Jack Sparrow is coming back to the movie theater. Um, it's going to be a prequel series on a young Jack Sparrow finding the Black Pearl on Disney Plus, and they gave him three hundred and one million dollars. How could they give him three hundred million dollars? That's literally more than the budget of most movies. That's more. <laughs> you know how I said the Gray Man was the most expensive movie ever on Netflix. Uh-huh, it was budget was two hundred million dollars. <laughs> you heard about that on Twitter though. You're not. You're not bullcrapping me on that yes. one, right? Okay, good. Okay, good. How could they? How, why would they give? Why would they give Johnny Depp first of all, who's so old, and I just watched okay, him like, talk okay, in like, court. You know, you know how we we can make a comparison. Last podcast we talked about Tom Cruise, who's fifty nine, and so is Johnny Depp. He's fifty nine as well. Tom Cruise is so in so much in better shape. Yeah, so Tom Cruise is in much better shape, but his role is much more demanding than a role like Johnny, like um, what's his name? Well, Johnny Depp. Jack Sparrow. The, Jack Sparrow's role. Doesn't like, he have to still swing around a pirate ship? I, no, not really. Okay. I think he's been doing. He did stunt doubles for a while, and it's not. And like, and like, Tom Cruise is known for the actions he does. It's for the movement he does. It's not really known for his acting. He's like Jack Sparrow and Johnny Depp are like. It's like a character that like is expressed through the way he runs and the way he like talks and the way he looks. And it's the acting that makes Jack Sparrow Jack Sparrow. Whereas Tom Cruise. Is Tom Cruise and everything because it's the way he moves around and he does things and he does his stunts. That is what makes Tom Cruise Tom Cruise. The well, stunts. that's what makes Jack Sparrow Jack Sparrow because it's Johnny Depp. Yeah, as I'm saying, Jack. So there's no difference. No, what I'm saying is because because in order for for people like Tom Cruise to do stunts, you have to be young, you have to be youthful. Whereas a guy like Jack Sparrow, you just have to kind of like act a little bit. You don't have to really like run around and like do like all these other crazy stunts and stuff where it's like it's more about the acting and like the character whereas Tom Cruise is always Tom Cruise and everything I feel like I think you're wrong I think Tom Cruise is not Tom Cruise and everything have you seen the movie Collateral okay fine okay you know what okay. have you seen the you are, movie you are touching Tropic on, Thunder okay you are touching on like the late 1990s like 80s stuff okay I'm talking about like modern Tom Cruise really well, Pirates of the Caribbean is also late nineties, early two thousands. What are you talking about? First one's made like two thousand four. That's not, that's not ninety. That's, that's early two thousands. That's early two thousands. Okay, fine, whatever, fine. Whatever. It's whatever. I'm it's just okay. not a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean. I know you're not a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean. You 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 just I think you're gonna end up this Fast topic. And Furious is greater. Yeah, that's I, I was gonna say that right then and there. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I just I'm just really excited for for Jacks for this, even though it's like what I don't know. Let me ask like, you a question. Yeah. Why do you like pirates so much? It's it's nostalgia. Like you and me, you keep me keep having these topics and conversations, and it's always for me. It's the Wait, nostalgia. nostalgia to what? Oh, like I watched them when I was a kid. You know. Oh. Like okay. Like and I and I still like rewatching some of them till this day. Like as well. And there's definitely some really like good ideas in like the third one especially. The fifth one, I don't really care for the fifth one at all. But it's like a franchise that you always keep coming back to, no matter how good or bad it is. You know what that's like? He's not gonna, he's not going to say Like Star it. Wars you mean? Like Fast and Furious. Oh, oh. <laughs> but since the third one or since the fourth one every Fast and Furious movie is a banger. Uh you, didn't you tell me like you hated one of them recently? Yeah, that's the fourth one. Oh, I see. I mean, on the 6th and the 8th and the 6th and the 8th and the ninth or not. Like great. okay, look. I I like like it, there's some sort of like I think when it comes to anything there's some sort of reason we come back to watch movies like Fast and Furious and and um, Pirates of the Caribbean. We come back to watch these movies for what makes us feel happy when we watch them. You come back to watch Fast and Furious to hear Vin Diesel talk about family and see all sorts of crazy stuff happen with cars. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I totally agree with that. I think that is super cool. And I also think I people come back to the movie theater to watch jack sparrow be jack sparrow and see that character move on in his life and is see more of a story happen and see the funny jokes and see the crazy uh stunt double stunts from him as well okay i agree have you seen um uh wrath of man is that the one where you like he's like a he's like a he like breaks that guy's arm outside of the car wait have you watched a youtube video about it or something I watched like a short clip where like some okay. some like it's good. Like he beats up a guy pretty much. I saw it in a theater. Oh, cool! It was one of the first movies I went back to. Huh? 
Yeah, because he, he, like, does a bunch of movie roles, and he eventually, like, gets something, and then, like, sometimes, I guess there might be a gem, and that seems like a gem you're talking about right yeah. now. It's kind of like Ambulance, in that it's L.A. crime. That's kind of the only similarity, I guess. But it's, like, modern L.A. crime, people driving around with guns around downtown. Similar vibes, but very different stories. Wrath of Man is actually non-linear. It's, non- it's non-linear as well? That's pretty cool, no, actually. No, Ambulance is linear. Oh, I see, I see where you're going. I'm sorry. I understand yeah. what you mean. Cool. Cool. Okay, everyone. We're going to wrap it up now. Thank you for tuning in to Jalali Hall Movie Talk again. This is a podcast that is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and a lot of other apps. And also, if you go to redcircle.com uh, slash Jalali Hall Movie Talk. Yeah? Yeah, I just want to say thank you for watching. Um, thank you for listening, I guess. And uh, thank you for putting up with first our annihilation talk and then all of our crazy tangents. yeah and we, we hope wanted, you enjoy that yeah we because we wanted to watch annihilation really badly and i'm glad we finally watched it i appreciate that from you and i just think that yeah i'm just happy we get to do this this is really fun so yeah i hope you guys had fun too okay great uh see you next time <laughs>